podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk, and it's been a bit of a strange week in Liverpool land, in that you keep thinking something's going to happen, and it never quite does. But one thing that did happen, and it's the second time it's happened, is the Anfield Wrap did a show uh, with Stephen Warnock since he's retired. And it's fair to say, I've got Gareth Roberts with me who did the show, and we were listening back to it. It's fair to say, Gareth, that Stephen's become, he was already pretty frank, yeah. but it's fair to say he's uh, hes only getting more and more frank in the, in, in the immediate aftermath of his retirement. No, absolutely. He's really opened up, and it's been brilliant be a, to be a part of it to be honest because you know we call that show that we do with them the, the pro view and obviously the idea behind it was that you get a bit of insight that you wouldn't ordinarily get you know stuff that you don't get to hear from someone who's been in the changing rooms on the pitches in the boardrooms and everything else and yet he's really opened up the last couple of times the previous show we did with him he talked a lot about his career and about Liverpool and about experiences with different managers some of them absolutely bizarre and mad um, and this was more of the same, really. But we pinned it on uh, a lot of this show on being with England, on on um, you know being at a World Cup. I mean, people might look at it and say, "Well, he only won two caps," which he did. But he was he was at the 2010 World Cup. He was yeah. part of the squad. He was selected to be a part of it. So he was there to see it all unfold in terms of Fabio Capello, John Terry, the boot camp, as it was termed, um, the way the manager treated the players, and all that kind of thing. So. Again, yeah, he was absolutely brilliant, and we were able to go along with him as well this time. Because uh, last time, <laughs> la- last time we just uh, sort of had to cut him short and say, "Listen, stay, we're doing another show here." But um, this time around, there was nothing scheduled afterwards, so we just let him go and did an hour and a half, <laughs> uh, which was absolutely mad. So yeah, really, really good. It's good to be a part of it and getting really good f- feedback already. So excellent. Well, what we're doing, what we're going to do is that we're going we're to have uh, now, and then we're going to have at about sort of quarter past seven uh, two excerpts uh, of. The the conversation that Gareth Paul Cope uh, had with Stephen Warnock. We're really pleased that he did and we're going to play these two excerpts. If this is the sort of thing you're interested in, it is what we are doing behind the paywall here at the Anfield Wrap. But we just think if this sort of stands alone, certainly on this week of weeks as the World Cup has begun, as all things Liverpool are a little bit quiet, uh, this is Stephen Warnock. Wanted to start, Steve, with um, with England, with international football. Seems the right thing to do, seeing the World Cup is, is kicking off today. Um, I mean, seeing you tweet and, and put on your Instagram a few times about, you know, you're rightly proud of the couple of caps that you did get and the fact that you got selected to go along to a World Cup in 2010. So I wanted to talk to you about those things, really. And first off, before we get into the detail as well, I, I wanted to ask you about we've talked about before about the sort of difference between being a fan and being a player and like you must be more than aware that for a lot of fans particularly in this region there's a bit of indifference shall we say towards England yeah um but I've, I've been thinking about this a lot because it wasn't I was thinking about it in respect to you but also in respect of Trent obviously currently with the squad and I thought I was trying to think you know I obviously haven't been a pro or anywhere near being one but I was thinking if I was it's like the pinnacle, isn't it, to be selected to play international football to represent your country? Yeah. And, and I think maybe we get, or some of us, I should say, I should always say that, but some of us fans maybe get a bit too political about it. And, you know, talking about, you know, Liverpool being a little bit feeling like it's separate from England and all that type of thing. But from a, I'm guessing you looked at it from a purely sporting point of view and you were like, wow, it's an honour to be selected for an England squad. Yeah, I'd never look at it in the way that you look at it in that way. Yeah. Uh, it was always from a, uh, a perspective of you want to be in the best in that moment <clears throat> in your country and uh, to be selected for your, your country is, is what that is. Um, I think when I when I grew up, I was selected at England on the 15 level. It, it's a bit of a different setup at that level. It's, a, it's England school, so you have to go through trials and stuff like that. And then the FA take over at 16. And I think I, I played... A couple of games with the under-16s and then I, I obviously got injured after that. So I missed out on the process of going through all the age groups through England and things like that. So um, I think when you look at a lot of players now, they are uh, players who play at near enough every level uh, throughout the system. They go from pretty much 16s up to 21s and then if they're, if they're fortunate enough, they go into the first team. I never did any of that. I literally played a couple of games for the 16s, missed every other, every other one, and just went straight into the into the seniors, which was um, I, I always thought I'd missed a chance of, of making it because I feel like they always put you on a route, if that makes sense, to go through that process and mm. you sort of understand the ins and outs of England and the setup and things like that. 
Um, so when I was selected, it was a, a massive achievement. And um, I, I can't explain how you feel about it because you, you get so excited by it because it is the pinnacle. It's like, how do you, where do you go from there? And I think sometimes that was me downfall in a way because you almost feel like... I, I've I've done so well here, and what else is there to to sort of get to and to achieve? Um, so to represent your country at a World Cup, the disappointing thing for me was was not to get any game time. Mm. To say you've actually played in a World Cup, to represent represent your country there is 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 well, it's incredible. Um, but to to actually play in one would be would have been a, a massive achievement. Well, you've hinted at there that it, it's also it comes quite late, doesn't it? The, the the England shouts, if you like, you know, your debut is first of June two thousand and eight uh, against Trinidad and Tobago, coming on as a substitute for Wayne Bridge. What um, was the squads before that that you'd been called up to, but not got a sniff, or was that? The- yeah, I'd been in quite a few squads. Uh, Sven first called me up, and I made uh, sort of. I can't even remember how many squads it was. And to be fair, he was always good to me and he'd mm. just say, listen, you've at that point they used to take more than could make the bench as well. And he'd always just say, listen, you haven't made the bench, but we still like you as a player and things like that and keep going. And I suppose it gives you a little bit of hope and things like that. Um, made the bench a couple of times and uh, wasn't, wasn't selected to come on and things like that. Um, so to make your debut um, was was amazing. I think you you just feel like you've achieved something in your career straight away when you when you make your debut for England. Um I felt that way. I think the biggest downside for me was that I got told I was coming on at half time and I thought 40 45 minutes to to play for your country I might never get that chance again. And when it stood I think it was 7 minutes I came on for or 6 minutes something like that. And uh I remember I was I think it was the second shortest England career. And I thought, oh, I'm not having that. <laughs> I need more time than that. So I kept on making squads, and uh, I think we played we played Brazil away. It was part of the go to Qatar and um, sort of join up with the bid for the Qatar uh, World Cup in 2022 or whatever it is. And um, <clears throat> went out there playing Brazil, and Capello said, "You'll be playing the second half." I think Wayne Bridge played the first half, so I was sat there waiting. Go and get warmed up. This was the start of the second half, so I thought, right, okay. Right, come back in. I thought, I'm not getting on here. Go and get warmed up again. So I thought, right, I'm coming on, coming on. I didn't get on. So you're just thinking, I just want to get on the pitch and play and get that out me out the back of my mind. Because I still had it in the back of my mind that I had the sh- like second shortest England career in, in history. And like most people would be made up just to play, but in my head I was thinking, I need to get past that. Um, and then... Obviously, the, the World Cup was coming up and uh, got selected in the squads for that. And I thought, well, I'm going to play in a couple of friendlies before that because you're going to want to see me play. I didn't play again. I was thinking, what is going on here? I thought, there's no way I'm getting selected for the squad. And then somehow I managed to get in the squad without even playing. I think I had sort of six minutes to my name or something around that. You got one... I mean, you can tell me if this is wrong, but this is what I found out. France, 17th of November, 2010. Yeah, but that was uh, after the that's World after Cup. it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah okay. so I went to the World Cup. So you went to the World back, Cup, having only having played the the six minutes. Yeah, that's mad. And coming back, and suddenly, um, I, I didn't think I'd get a, uh, anything again, any squads or anything. Then came back, and um, I was playing well for Villa at the time, and managed to get on for a little bit longer in the France game. And that was my last call up then, because uh, obviously the way things went at Villa, I fell out with Julia and wasn't in the squads, and that was the end of me me career. When you did get in, or when you were in and around, and when you go to that World Cup, did you feel then I'm playing my best football now, and, and this is right? Always at a time earlier than that, when you thought, well, I could maybe get a sniff here. Now I'm playing my best. You know what I mean? Where did you feel you were football wise at that point? I always felt in my head that I wouldn't play for England because of the competition there. Um, yeah. Ashley Cole was by far the best left back in the world at the time. Um, Wayne Bridge was probably playing some of his best football that he played as well. So I knew it was going to be a big ask. Leighton Baines was coming onto the scene and playing very well at Everton. So again, I knew it was a massive ask to be in and around it and to play. Did Carragher um, win, win caps on the left as well, or have I made that up? No, he, he did, but that was before I'd come into it, yeah. really. Um, so to, to be in and around four left-backs at the time, who mm. were all vying for, for one spot. And then you had Kieran Gibbs, who, who came into it as well. 
Um, so you had a lot of talent in, in, that, in that area. Um, so I knew it was going to be difficult. And to be honest, I think if you had offered me two caps at the beginning of my career and or growing up as a kid and said, you're going to play for the first team at England, would you take it? I said, yeah, no problem at all. Um, I enjoy going away with the squads all the time because, again, you're in that you're in that small pool of players that are the elite in the country. Like, I can turn round and no one can take it away from me and say, at one point in my career, I was within the best 23 in England. Yeah. And, OK, they can say, well, you shouldn't have been. Well, guess what I was? So you can't do anything about it. And that makes me very proud to say that. And from what you're saying then, because this is a, a, a current topic now with Trent going away, and we don't know whether he's going to play or whether he's just going to get the experience out there. Would would you say from your experience, it's it's well worth just going, even if you, you don't get any time? Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Uh, I, always, I always joked with my mates, I've got a Carlsberg ticket for the World Cup. I've got the front row seat in the World Cup. I get to sit in on England team meetings, sit on the bench, um, see the half-time team talks, what really goes on in the change room. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you've offered that to my mates now and said, right, you can go out to a World Cup and you can do that, would you? I mean, of course you would. Absolutely, it, was yeah. a, it was a dream come true for me. Um, yes, I wanted to be involved in it, but again, I think the squad's different now that they're in. I think when when I went away, you, you pretty much knew the, the the starting eleven or thereabouts. Like I knew Ashley Cole was going to play every game. Trippier and Trent, toss of a coin, I'd say so. Ashley Young and um, uh, Danny Rose again, toss of a coin. I think you look at other positions around the pitch. I think anyone could start that now. Whereas when we were at the World Cup, it was pretty much set in stone who was going to play. So I knew my position going out there that I wasn't going to play. Whereas I think the, the lads who are out there now, anyone could start. Stephen Warnock there, absolutely fabulous stuff. Listen, we're going to have more from Stephen before half past seven this evening. That is to come. Also to come, we're going to be speaking to John o, Johnny Bongo about Bongo's bingo. And uh, after this, we're going to be speaking to Paul Dehaney about the Africa OEA Festival. This weekend, he spoke to John Gibbons. That is to come in a second or two. It is all go this week on the Anfield Wrap. Don't go anywhere. And it's John Gibbons now, and I'm joined by Paul Dehaney, who's an old friend of the show, and you'll have heard him, I'm sure, in the past coming on and talking about... Well, one of his two great loves, it might, might have been Tottenham Hotspur, or it might have been music, and more specifically, Africa OEA, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Paul, welcome back. Hello, mate. How are you? Yes, all good, all good. And, yeah, it's Africa OEA this weekend. First of all, how's the weather looking like it's going to hold out? Because, obviously, it's been gorgeous for so long. Too long. <laughs> you know, obviously, like, I've been just watching the, the weeks tick by, and I'm just like, the longer it's going on, I'm just like, this in England, we never have consecutive good weather for that long without there being a break in it. And then when I looked at the weather last weekend, it was saying next, this weekend, i.e. the festival weekend, was going to be you know a nightmare. But as time's gone on, this, um, this storm uh, developed yesterday and now uh, has, has subsided. So I'm hoping that we should have a lovely weekend. All fingers crossed for yeah, it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's one of my favourite weekends in Liverpool. First of all, I mean, details, it's obviously this Saturday and, and Sunday, both days, it runs from, it's about midday till 9.30. 12.30 till 9.30 on both days. Yeah, and it's completely free, which is fantastic. Completely free, ticketless. Um, you know, we've got about 100 traders there selling food, arts and crafts, stalls from all over the world. We've got three DJ stands. Uh, and that's a key part of it now, isn't it? The DJing and stuff as well. You can almost kind of well, it, choose your own party in Africa. Way, no? I think what what I noticed, and, uh, uh, I look at the festival every year and think, how can we improve it? And what, about four years ago, we were like, we need to bring a bit more, there's a lot of traditional acts on, on the stage, which is fantastic. But we, we want a, a younger audience to, you know, the people that sort of go to clubs, yeah. the sort of stuff they listen there. Um, we want to bring that element into the festival, but all in keeping with what's going on on the stage. You know, it's all from Africa or the diaspora. So we have three DJ um, areas now, one called Trenchtown, which is our original. Yeah. Playing global roots and global beats and reggae and stuff like that. And then you've got Freetown, which plays, touches on hip hop and, 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 and other abstract musics. And then um, 
Afrobeat, which is the third one, and that concentrates, you know, the, the clues in the name. Yeah. Um, but that's really good. It gets, you know, you've got dance competitions going off over there. <laughs> but we've built those slowly. They used to be, like, literally just a little tent, and, like, slowly and but surely we've been building that up as the years have gone going by, and it's, it's becoming an important element to the festival. It definitely is. It's one of my favourite kind of parts of it, hanging out down there, especially towards the end. But you've got some big acts obviously on the main stage I'd say well to, to, to my mind the, the biggest name probably in a circle headlining on the Sunday yeah I would say that in a circle um, it's their 50th anniversary this year and we're delighted that they're going to be uh, gracing our stage and I think people are going to love that it's always a lovely way to close the festival with a bit of old school reggae um, but like some other highlights I'd like to pick out for people there's a great singer from uh, Cape Verde called Laura who I saw this year in Cape Verde she's their biggest uh, artist and people are going to absolutely Absolutely love her. She plays a style of music called Funana, but I don't want to get too technical. Just get out there and watch it, and you'll love it. Uh, on Saturday, Rocky Dawuni, um, we'd like to have him. He's one of the biggest uh, reggae stars in Ghana. Um, big United Nations ambassador, does a lot of stuff for UNICEF as well. Um, he's worked with people like Prince, Stevie wow. Wonder. Yeah, he's big, big. You know, he's he's listed as one of the um, top ten global um, music stars, which wow. is fantastic. Um, and it's not just what he does off stage. He's, he's, he's on stage stuff is, uh, is amazing as well. Sona Giabati as well from Gambia. She's amazing. What we did as well this year with the program is we, I think, uh, we looked at the gender equality situation because in recent years, even on our 25th anniversary, we, we, we only found like one or two female performers out there. And it's like, they are out there. Yeah. We just need to make sure they're coming. So I made a conscious effort and sort of, Balancing up the program, we've got Mim Suleiman, Murema, Sona Giobati, Laura, all female performers, all playing on the main stage. Um, and also uh, in our OEA introduces local performer Reme is playing as well as as well as uh, Nelson. So we like to on our first slots and each day we like to give local Liverpool performers a chance to perform on the stage. And the, the beauty of them too, like uh, other artists in the in the past, is that they've been going to OEA since they were kids, so they can actually say. You know, they, they actually say to me, oh, you know, I've been watching it. This is one of my favourite festivals. <laughs> and I never thought that would happen, you know. Yeah, like, it's when just you time flies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids are actually going to, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. As Which, adults. It just shows that what a kind of cultural cultural institutions become now in Liverpool and it's as I say all week people have just been saying to me oh you go to OEA see you down at OEA and, that, and that's, that's really cool isn't it it is it's such a lovely feeling I mean it was that positive vibrations last yeah. weekend and that's almost like a warm up for OEA you know but what a great vibe there for the whole weekend you know great turnout great weather and you know all the great festivals we've got going on all around the summer I think Liverpool's you know you don't get much better in terms of great Different types of festivals. You've got other festivals around the UK that kind of um, follow the same formula, but we seem to have a plethora of uh, kind of like different festivals, you know, Arabic arts festival, you know, Irish festivals, you know, mm. lymph, you know, uh, to name but a few. So, yeah, it's completely free and... That, that's fantastic and that's because of obviously a lot of the support you get within the city not just from you know people from funding applications but also people who just kind of want to help out and want to support the festival so many people in the city you know do so much to help us out at discounted rates or you know for free you know because I mean to give you an example this year we've had to spend an extra £10,000 on first aid an extra five and a half k on toilets you know um Every year we get hit with costs that you can't plan for because you don't know about them until the last minute, yeah. you know. And it's it's infuriating, really, because we, we've generated more money than we've ever generated. You know, we get support by the City Council, we get supported by the Arts Council. But, you know, it's, a, as you can see with LIMP that are having to go ticketed this year, it's getting more and more difficult because of health and safety as well um, to keep festivals free. So we really need people to put their hands in their pocket this year and, you know, buy a drink at the bar, even yeah. if it's not alcoholic, you know, buy a T-shirt, put some money in the buckets because we're the last bastion, you know, of, of, of free festivals in this city, really, yeah. of its type. So, And we're the longest serving festival now. This is our 26th year. Amazing. Uh, and, you know, if we want to keep going, we want to keep the vibe that we've got now, um, then it's essential that people kind of uh, contribute. 
as Paul says, do get down to the festival this weekend. Enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the music, and, and you, you will, but do try and spend a bit of cash as well. You'll want to buy the food. The food's always incredible. There's lots of stands around selling the most amazing kind of jerk chicken and, and stuff from the Caribbean, stuff from Africa as well. And you will you will kind of you will want to have enjoyed that. So leave the Tesco butties in the in the fridge and kind of get down there and enjoy. But yeah, buy a drink, put some money in and, and just make sure this this fantastic uh, institution now I'd call it yeah, is a is still going for years to come but uh, in the meantime thanks to Paul and do you do you, do you get to enjoy the weekend? Is that is that the kind of right word? Will be the, will there be a moment I, I where you, you can just stand in? Yeah, there is. Like Sunday at ten o'clock <laughs> <laughs> in the backstage tent with our little private after party with all our staff. Uh, that's my favourite time. But no, it, all joking to one side. In the last three or four years, I've got such a great team around me. Uh, I've been able to sort of get on the buggy and get around the festival site uh, and also catch out some catch some of the uh, the great main stage artists. So yeah, I do get a little bit of enjoyment out of it. Not a lot. <laughs> Gonna make it my weekend pledge now to get on Paul's buggy, but uh, yeah, do come and say hello if you're at Africa. Well, yeah, do enjoy it. And um, yeah, in the meantime, thanks to Paul and uh, back to Neil. Cheers, mate. It is your little city talking. So, how, how World Cup excited are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm oh, it's it. by the way, but you know, you know that by now. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that Russia game was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? Uh, in that, I don't think anyone expected Russia to win five nil, uh, and there were some lovely finishes. So. It's it's hard to to kind of judge how good Russia are because a I mean, did you see the, the Moscow Times and stuff and all that when they were like you know basically this is it now they, they were, but they were off for pulling out almost twenty before the before the tournament started because yeah. they were that worried and so um, and so you know for them to win five 0 I think it does does help if the if the host can can at least have a little bit of a go um, but it's hard to tell how good they are because the Saudis didn't look great at all so next the bad the bad thing about the Saudis was was it was it was an object lesson just from from what I saw of it of what happens when a football team feels their only way to succeed is to play football and they're not very good at football yeah. Where you know, because I think if they had, you know, if they had a couple, you know, you could, you could, well, you that, can try and be alehouse. Well, just yeah, that's a very good point because, like, because the Saudi players all play in the Saudi league because there's money in it, and you know, the, that's the standard that they are, and so they're probably be far more the best teams in Saudi Arabia who used to playing play football, attacking football, and playing well, and so you know, they're not necessarily you know travelled where they've where they've you know had to go to the. 16th best team in Spain or whatever, and and he used to kind of you know have to have to dog it a little bit. So yeah, they didn't they didn't they should have just shut up shop at two 0 and they very much didn't. No, uh, I think that's really, I think that's you know it's an interesting thing. It doesn't happen that sort of thing very often. But yeah, uh, I mean, good lord, it, it, you do worry about what Uruguay could do to them um, from from from. Well, from Uruguay play playing at the pieces. moment. We're we're doing this kind of a little bit early. Then it goes out to Uruguay playing at the moment, and and they're struggling in terms of you know the, to to put the ball in the back of the net a little bit. But you know. You'd imagine Cavani and Suarez as, as a combination. Yeah, they, they, they could get a bucket load, but we shall see. We shall indeed see. Uh, yeah, so this is our Reds betting, certainly, Lackington and John Gibbons. But, you're, I mean, if, you, if you've come this far and you don't know that well done <laughs> to you. Uh, and there's some specials that they've got revolving around Liverpool-related issues. Uh, Portugal versus Spain. They're offering you 5-2 to two on Sergio Ramos to get booked, John. In this game, it's Portugal versus Spain. I think Not for the rest of his life. <laughs> no, just, yeah, 5-2. to two. My instinct is, is 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 quite short, but then when I have a think about it, the fact that it's Portugal, Spain, and and Sergio Ramos, and Sergio Ramos, and and there's the Ronaldo thing, and there's, I think, yeah, I'd be tempted. I'm tempted at five to two. This is me tempted. Is this your this tempted, is my tempted face? voice? You are tempted at five to two. Now it's intriguing. Um, yeah, Spain are mad. I, I, I'm just still so happy about this. My World Cup sort of starts tomorrow, to be honest, because um, I'm in house move hell uh, and there's work, uh, which, by the way, I haven't done any of this morning, as you know, John. Uh, but yeah, we've got sort of, you know, shows this afternoon and and then I'll be having to box more stuff off of the house. And my sort of plan is that big Saturday where there's the four games, whilst I'll still be like building bookshelves and nonsense like that and unpacking, I'll be unpacking with the telly on. And that's so that's for for me tomorrow is huge. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like I might have an opening ceremony in ours uh, for me for myself. Uh, they've, got, they've got Croatia versus Nigeria. Degsy Lovren to score at any time. The big dog. It was twelves or even elevens to one because it's decimal odds. It's now eighteen to one on the big dog any time versus Nigeria. I can see how that happens. I can, I can see, see how, how that happens. goal happens. I think he's taken a lot on. 
in terms of responsibility for Croatia, he feels like a leader in the team. He's obviously senior player now. They probably look up to him because he plays in a in a Champions League finalist side. And so, yeah, I can see how he, he, he you know, in a tight game, yeah. it's, uh, it's it's love him doing the doing the bits and making the difference. Indeed, indeed, Croatia, Serbia. Marco Gruic to score at any time. A wonderful reminder from our friends at Red Bet that Marco Gruic plays for us. <laughs> uh, that is six to one. I don't know. Pass. Is he any good? Marco Gruic. Yeah. I think he's quite good. It's just whether or not he's going to play. Uh, I think he'll play. I think he'll play. Yeah. I think he. I think, I think he he's quite good. Yeah. Um, he is quite good. Uh, what else have we got? Um, so uh, Tunisia versus England. Henderson to score at any time. Ten to one. Not going to take the set pieces. I wouldn't have thought. He's playing a little bit further forward than he is for Liverpool, though, because obviously they're playing three at the back, so it's more of a flat four, isn't it, in midfield? So he's we'll probably see a slightly more attacking Jordan Henderson than than we would do normally. Okay, uh, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, I like all of them. Uh, they've, they've all got something about them. Looking forward to watching, watching Marco Grewich play football now. I mean, we could have watched him in Cardiff if we really wanted to. I saw him play one game for Cardiff, but Warnock has him deep, deep and slying. Now, I would have thought he won't do that for Serbia if he, if he does play because they've got Matic. So I thought he plays, he'd play ahead of Matic, but maybe not as high as Milinkovic, Savic. Uh, just, just showing, showing Serbian knowledge. No one's business. <laughs> Absolutely poor, are you? Uh, that sounded terrific. It didn't it just? Um, honestly, uh, I'm going to be uh, going to be on uh, ITV two in no time, uh, doing some sort of <laughs> Sorry, World, World Cup extra. Uh, that's the sort. Of, that's my sort of level. It's the aim and it's the ambition. Listen, uh, Red's bet. Uh, if you are going to gamble, please do so responsibly. Uh, they had their fancy football competition. They're going to be in six side one throughout the course of the season. We'll be having a chat to you about them the course of the season through the through the course of the competition uh, but if you are going to gamble please do so responsibly be gambleaware.org uh, but we're happy to partner with the Reds Bet in 2018 we've said that before we will say it again um, take it easy get back over with the show now John Gibbons and Paul Dehaney an absolute delight Africa OEA this weekend hopefully the weather turns out for it and everyone has a fabulous time I'm sure they are I'm sure they will very very much so listen after 7 o'clock we're going to have more from Stephen Warnock more from Gareth Roberts Paul Cope and we've got the one and only Mr Johnny Bongo in talking about his bingo don't go anywhere it is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk Neil Atkinson and Johnny Bongo to talk about the worldwide phenomenon which is which is your bingo game Bongo's bingo it's mad isn't it what a love before we get into all the other stuff, you take the bingo seriously. I went to the third birthday party in Liverpool. That's I, I seen you. You were, I reckon, one more game in and you would have had the tops off. Oh, I had, a, I had an absolute ball. I know, Loved I seen it. it. Yeah. I seen it. I was, I was overcome. It was just pure ecstasy in your eyes. I felt overstimulated like a toddler. You, you were? I had too much going on because I was playing a game and trying to win things on the one hand. On the other hand, there kept being absolute bangers in between stuff. Then there was <laughs> stuff to look at, uh, like all around you at all times. And there was in general drink. I genuinely felt like like a toddler who's had too many of the too, too many of the wrong sweets. Yep. I was just like, wow, what next? Maybe that's why it's gone so well. That's I, the, it's, a, it's a perfect combination, isn't it? Tunes, bangers, stuff to look at. And booze. And yeah, games. And, and games. But you love the bingo. Like, you want it to be a proper game of bingo. If people listen to this, it's not ironic. This is not an ironic game of bingo. This is a deadly serious game of bingo where you can win good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. At its core, it's always been about the bingo. And it's just all the other stuff that happens around it that, that makes it that little bit more special. But yeah, I, I, the, the stuff that happens around it also distracts you from the bingo. Yeah, it makes the bingo difficult to do. So you've got to, that's why you've got to have your game face you on because you've got to go. You've got to keep your head in the game because you're, you're about to go bizarre bananas about something happening over here. But then very quickly you're going to say you're, you're just going to sit, sit yourself back down and go thirty-seven. Yeah. Your next number. It's, it's just up and down the whole time, isn't it? So I think I think again that's why the atmosphere is always so good because it just doesn't stay static. It doesn't stay. Um, it's not similar the whole night. One minute it is, you're just like up going mad, like you kiss to kiss from a rose, like big love hearts in your eyes, and then next minute and your next number and you're straight down back to it. That is it is now a worldwide thing. You've been to Australia with it, you're looking to go elsewhere with it. It's it's very much buying into the idea of of finding different ways for everyone to have a good time. I think that's what you're aiming to do, isn't it? Tell me if it's not. Say, no, no, I no, just no. want to play a game of bingo. But no, it's, it's very much finding different ways for people to have a great time. Yeah, definitely. And it's just trying to bring it to, you know, a number of different audiences. And that's why, well, you know, we took it to Australia. We've done four tours out there and it went down really well. And then we've started, you know, we've been doing shows in Dubai for over a year. Again, different crowds. And, and it's just... Um, the Ibiza one, we did our first Ibiza show on Tuesday. How did it go? It was amazing. In Eden, the nightclub, big sound system, so solid crew. 
doing loads of dancing, throwing loads of champagne over everyone. But it was good. And still, you know, the one thing I was worried about when we did the Ibiza launch, like we've got another 17 shows to go there every single Tuesday. But I was worried because it was a late start. You know, usually our show starts at 8. It started at 11 over there. So, you know, it was so solid. We weren't coming on till 3 in the morning. But still, <laughs> people took the bingo seriously. And I thought, you know, oh, there's going to be a few uh, a few people in here that just aren't They're going to be ruining the vibe. Not at all. When the numbers were being called out through this massive sound system, nightclub <laughs> sound system, I don't think whoever started Eden would have thought, you know, 20 years down the line, there would be it would become a, a temporary bingo hall. But... Yeah, it's all in the spirit of good times. It is on the spirit of good times. You mentioned there the, the sound system. What I noticed about the, the third birthday party thing was you've got a real determination to fill the space. It's not just as simple as we're going to keep doing what we've been doing or even play safe. You know, you had the huge dance routine that you came on to, yeah. which was a laugh, but it was also a serious dance routine. I yeah, mean, it took time talked... putting that together, especially, you know, I'm not a dancer. or a... You could have fooled me. Yeah, getting into the costume. Yeah, no, I think we, we've always wanted to just push it and... You know, that, doing those shows at Bramley Murdoch, the, the six birthday shows, you know, it's a massive step up for us. It was a massive jump, especially, you know, not um, not decrediting the the, uh, the the artists such as S Club 7 and Vanga Boys. You know, they're great. And But, you know, getting a book in like Khalees, which, it was a big step up and a big step up in cost as well. And, yeah, we, we, I was really, really happy that the shows paid off and everyone she get, had a good she time. Get it? She loved it, you know. Um, she came. We did. We did one. We did six in Liverpool, and we did one in Sunderland um, before uh, with her. And she just got the vibe right away, and the crowd. Like she said, she just, you know, when it came to the last show, and we said thanks so much. She said like she's never experienced shows like that, and just the atmosphere. Like I don't know if she got got it a hundred percent, but she was really, really happy and really, really enjoyed it. And loved Liverpool as well, so. She was staying. She was staying in Jordan Henderson's old house. That's where she was staying. She didn't want to stay in a hotel. Yeah, an Airbnb effort, like a really high level, you know, right? Like an Airbnb that maybe is not even online. I yeah, don't know. yeah. Like a, you got to be in the know, Airbnb. So yeah, it's an expensive so she, app. I don't know. So she got to stay there, and she spent a lot of time in Liverpool and, and loved it. It seems that you, you mentioned there that there's again the vibes sort of feel good. But what I like is. What I liked about it from 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 participating, which was a massive massive thing, was it constantly restarts. It constantly says, "Right, you, you focus back on this. You did with back to doing this again yeah. now, and then it's back to the idea of, and now suddenly everyone's in on the jokes. Yeah. You do you do one game, and now everyone firstly knows how to play bingo, but secondly, everyone's now in on the jokes, and yeah. now everyone's enjoying the jokes together. And now, because the big thing I took from it was it was really feel good." It was like a collective feel-good experience yeah. that you're at the centre of and you, you're able to constantly sort of go, right, we're restarting now, we're back over here. And that must have been what Khalees was getting on when she said, because the sort of crowd it was was just a feel-good crowd. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've been we've been so lucky that, you know, the people that have been coming to our shows all this time and supporting us, they, they get it. I think, you know, it's very hard not to, you know, to come to one of our events and, and not really get what it's about. It is always at its core just about having a laugh. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We're just up for up for a laugh, and I think that's why it works so well. Um, Ibiza, then Australia, uh, all of this sort of stuff. You, you said you said before you're thinking about going stateside with it. Are you, are you, is it interesting to go to other places and almost not quite start again because you don't have to absolutely start again, but you've got to win people well, over well, from step yeah, one? Yeah, um, I think, you know, even taking it around the UK, we can't just go and do, you know, you know, we've started in Liverpool, um, but, you know, we go, let's say we go to Glasgow. We don't just do, we can't just do the exact same show that we do in Liverpool. You know, everything has to be tailored. And and now, you know, it's not just me doing, it's not just me hosting. We've got a team of six hosts now. Yeah. Um, and they're not, you know, not all Irish. In fact, no one else is Irish but me. There's a Scouser, there's a, a, a Brummie, there's a, a Cockney. Um, and they each bring their own little element to it. So it's more about... Um, trying new things and just watching it grow or organically the show in itself. And also like, yeah, if we, t- if we took it to America, for example, or, you know, like when we took it to Ibiza, there's a lot of Scousers in there or people that have been to the show, but there's so many people that have never been before or heard of it, which is always, you know, a challenge, but it's good. Like to say to the crowd, has anyone played Bongo's Bingo before? And you get 80% saying no, that's for me, that's class because you're bringing, you get to sort of see, I don't know. I don't know what the way to explain it is. I think people, 
It's nice to win people over. It's nice to go through the challenge. It's nice to have the sort of a performance of engagement, which is, right, I've got to get you. You don't know. I've got to get you on board. Yeah, and I think also, you know, people people enjoy it, enjoy the shows, because say they've been maybe four or five times, people love bringing other people that have never been. So it's almost like they get to experience it for the first time again because they're gauging their friends' reactions and things like that, which is always good because, like, you know, sometimes I say to people, you've been like 20 times, you're not bored of this. And they're like, no, we love bringing other people as well. And they don't know what to expect. And because we do try and change it up as as much as possible and add new things into the show. And I like to call it a game of bingo, which is different every time. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But, you know, because it is a random game, you never know what way it's going to go. So it's good. Where else? Stateside? Um, are you, are, you, are you thinking about trying to do something outside of English? Is that a bridge too far? We've already done it, man. Have you? Keep up. Where's your notes? My, my notes are not existent, Johnny. <laughs> I just get people in and talk to them and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, no, we did a, we, we've got a, a host called Azad. Um, and he did, um, he's done two or three shows in Paris. Um, ah. and, and it's in French. And we, I did, so I, he came over and he spent a couple of weeks living here, following us about, watching the different shows. And, and he, he took his own slant on it. He's a stand-up comedian in, in, in Paris. But he did the show, but he took two of our dancers as well who don't speak French. And also a couple turned up that find it quite hard to get tickets in Liverpool. So they thought, we'll go for a week in Paris. <laughs> and, when they, and when they turned up, one of our dancers, Sue, said, you know this is in French. But they buzzed off it because, you know, they can see the numbers on the screen. So, and most people know French numbers from school. And they just had a ball watching you know, almost a different culture's reaction to the night, and they loved it. I didn't think it would go down that well. Yeah. You know, I'm not not slagging off the French, but you've got that stereotypical that it might be a little bit snooty. Yeah. But no, loved it. Got loved stuck it. in. Loved all the Disney vibes. Uh, well, the Disney vibes are present all the way through. <laughs> uh, you can't argue with that. You can't argue with any of it. It's a raw and worldwide success. If it's coming anywhere near you, you want to get down there. What have you got actually on the calendar at the minute? What should people, anyone who listens anywhere in the world, it's going out on the radio in Liverpool, but people listen all over the world on the podcast. Ibiza? Ibiza's there every single Tuesday in Eden. Um, we're going to Australia again soon. Uh, Dubai is on in Media One Hotel every couple of months. Uh, Amsterdam in Panama. We're getting some boat parties going on there, hopefully with Alice DJ. She's a laugh, I reckon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we've got a few more guests coming up that we're working on for the big uh, Christmas Panto production, the third year of doing that. Uh, can't tell you too much about that, but that's about it. There's a website and stuff. One goes bingo. It's either .com or .co.uk. You haven't got notes. I haven't got notes. I've got no notes. I'm like you. Yeah, we just have a chat. You, just, lovely. you just wing it. That's, what, that's the only way to do it. Hopefully it all comes together. Um, you should you should recognise that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, website, Facebook, Twitter, maybe even Snapchat. You never know. But it's all good times. It's Johnny Bongo and his milkshake brings all the girls to the yard. Always. It's the Anfield rap on Radio City Talk. <laughs> Could honestly do this all day. My man. So, got to get on and do something else. Always good to speak to Johnny Bongo. You had a good night, didn't you? Really did, mate. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Did you think um, you were going to? Be honest. I was a bit. I was a bit like, mm, you know, because because I'm a little bit older than, than than a lot of the rest of the people involved with the Anfield app, and or you know, some people are older, but certainly on this night out, I think I was probably the oldest, and I just thought, mm, is it going to be for me? Uh, and a lot of the songs, I was completely clueless. I'm not going to get you wrong, but they lashed a bit of call on for me, so I had me. <laughs> I had my dad rock moment. Um, but no, I, re- I did honestly really enjoy it because, you know, a long, long time since I've been to Bingo. I went with my mum to the St. Aloysius Club in Aiton a long, long time ago. <laughs> um, but no, this it's a bit is different, just, isn't it? It is a little bit different, yeah. But it really, really well done, well put together and, and a great night. And, and people of all ages are there as well. So, you know, I, I forgot about those worries pretty soon. So, yeah, it was a great night. Uh, excellent. Uh, we're going to be introducing Steve Warner, who's talking to you about about the call-up, uh, about what it is to get called up. I mean, it must be a crazy, crazy thing, really. It's it's funny because, you know, we, we talked to him before about the, the relationship between England and, and, and Liverpool and all of that sort of stuff. But I think there is something in the ad, you know, like even me, if I try to imagine being a, you know, being good enough and being a young footballer, being 25 or whatever, and the idea that you might or might not get a phone call to see if you got to go and play in a World Cup for anyone. I mean, you know, just the idea of, oh, well, it would be pretty exciting. It would be, yeah, and, and Stephen comes out with a great line about sort of like, you know, look, he went to the 2010 World Cup in South Africa under Capello and he didn't actually get on the pitch because, you know, he, he very much knew that he was a, a deputy to Ashley Cole, who was one of the best left-backs left in the world, if not the, at the time. So he knew, he knew he knew in a way that it was going to take certain circumstances to get on the pitch, but 
he said when he's talked about it with his mates, he said, you know, it's like um, it's like a Carlsberg day out, if you like. You know, he's he's there on the bench, getting to see the you know the team talks, getting to see the drama of it all, getting to see the match at pitch side, and he just said, you know, the experience of it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, obviously, he would have loved to have got on. But yeah. nevertheless, he can still turn around to people and say, I've got a couple of England caps and I went to a World Cup. And he's not lying. He's not <laughs> lying. Uh, and here he is. I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, you touched on a point that I was going to bring up, which is that there's almost a, a factor in all this where, which you which you can't control. And that is who you're up against, who's in your position. So, you know, in your case, you mentioned Ashley Cole, Wayne Bridge as well. And, and that's just like almost a, a, a bit of a... Bit, bit of luck, really, bit of a random factor because the one I was referencing, similar to this, if you like, is okay. Gary Neville gets 85 England caps, and he's, I think, he's, I think, he's most capped in that position. Um, but would he have done if Rob Jones, who only won eight, hadn't you know had more luck with injuries and hadn't retired at 27? Because yeah. you know, Rob looked good there and mm-hmm. was playing well for Liverpool and people still talk about him now as being, you know, a really good full back and just someone who was very unlucky with the injuries he suffered. So that's like something out of your control almost, isn't it? Yeah, you, it is, of course you... it is. And but then it's out of Rob's control as well. Yeah. So Rob could have had that opportunity, but everyone will always look back at the career and say, if only, if this had happened at another time. Um and that's just the way your careers go. Your career's set out for you. Um, I think sometimes you can you can try and do things that'll help you um, progress further and things like that. But every professional will always try to better themselves um, in some way to to push themselves to get to to get to the next level. So for me to try and get in front of Ashley Cole, it would have it would have meant a serious injury mm. to Ash, and that's just something that happens and. Listen, Gary Neville had a hell of a career for England. I don't think anyone can argue against the caps that he got. I think he was arguably our right, our best right back we've ever had for our country. So, in a way, yeah, it's a shame for Rob Rob Jones, but then we didn't have a bad replacement. I think no. we often look at it in a negative way. Uh, the other thing, then, a couple of things where maybe questions that don't normally get asked. If you like, so how, how does it? Tell us how it works. You, you tweeted the other week that you know eight years ago today. I remember waiting for the World Cup squad to be announced. Is one of the best phone calls you can ever receive yeah. uh, to represent your country. So, t- like, talk us through that. What happens? Who's ringing? Yeah. What's the conversation? Um, well, like I say, then we had we had a camp of uh, I think it was two weeks. We went to Austria. And I remember we played Japan. I can't remember who the other game was in the uh, in the warm-ups. Um, so we had them two games and you go away from it. And the other thing that I only spoke about the other day as well, I was actually injured when I went to the the, uh, the, prelim, like the prelim squad for the World Cup. I was playing for uh, Villa on the last game of the season against Blackburn. And um, I think it was Junior Hoylet ran across me, clipped my ankles, but I... I I definitely tore something in my ankle. I felt it go and I tried to carry on playing. I couldn't carry on. So I came off in about half an hour into the game, something like that. And I was due to go on holiday that night from from Birmingham out to Dubai. And uh, the physio just said, listen, just go and see how it is. So I had like a big boot on my ankle. Got to Dubai and my ankle just was like, it was massive. And I remember thinking the World Cup prelim squad gets announced I think it was like two days after and uh, our physio just said listen I'll just put a, a note down to England and say listen because they had like a list of people that they wanted um, took a slight kick to his ankle should be fine so when I got to Dubai I was thinking this isn't fine um, rang the physio and I said my ankle's like a balloon he said just ice it get it ready and whatever you'll be fine so I remember sitting there thinking I need to get my ice, my ankle ice there. So ordering ice buckets to the bed, getting it all done. And I couldn't walk. So I ended up going to the doctor in the hotel and saying, listen, can you have a look at my ankle? And she looked at it and she went, you need an x-ray on it? I was thinking, shit, here we go. So uh, I said, no, 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 I don't need an x-ray, I'll be all right. So I just got crutches for a few days, got home. And I rang uh, the physio and he, he booked me in for a scan. And uh, the scan came back clear and I was thinking, well, it can't be that bad then. So when I'm end up getting a call up for the squad and I went away and uh, they took one look at it and they just went no you've got something wrong here so I got sent for another scan it came back again all clear so the physios just said listen we'll just have to crack on with it but my ankle was massive and I just thought 
it's the only time I'm going to get the chance to go to a World Cup. I'm just going to have to grin and bear it. So every morning I got up early, I put my foot in an ice bath, then I get it in the warm water, get it moving a bit, and I try and do everything I could before training just to get out on the training pitch. And then I go back into my room when I was on my own and just strap it up again and ice it and do everything I could. Um, and somehow I managed to get in the squad after being injured for two weeks and literally limping around the training pitch every single day. But again, it was my dream to go to a World Cup and I just thought I'm, I'm not giving it in for, for the sake of something like that. Um, so anyway, uh, got came back from Austria. I think we got given three days off after it and they turned around and said, you'll get a phone call, uh, it'll either be yes or no. And that was pretty much it. And the press are always... They have the squad, don't they, lined up of what they think and I know this and I know this and I read a couple of reports saying like Baines was in and I think it was because I hadn't played any games and I, I believed it myself. I just thought, yeah, probably has. He's, he's had a good season as well, even though we'd had a better season as a team. Um, and then I think it was the the morning. He said we got a phone call round about half 12 and the squad was getting announced about two o'clock, half one, two o'clock. And... Um, I was just pottering around the house doing nothing. Do you know, you just keep on, is my phone on loud? Is it on? Is it on? I've got signal in here and all that. And then um, it just went and it was the assistant manager and he just said, uh, and when I, when I heard it was him, I thought, oh, that's not great. But I got on well with him. So uh, when he rang me, he just said, um, how's the ankle? So I was like, yeah, it's fine. No problem at all. And then he just said, listen, um, go and pack your bag. Go, you're going to South Africa and we're made up and um, we think you've done really well this season we, we're happy with you in the last couple of weeks in the training camp and that, that was literally it and um, so I sort of started ringing around everyone telling everyone and uh, I went out in my car to get something I went down to like the local shop to, to get something and as I was driving down I mean you'll, you'll probably know it by ours uh, it's like the pub called the Cricketers yeah. and it used to be called the West and on the side of it was just a massive white uh, like bit of paint on it on the wall with number 13 on it. And that was my squad number that had been given. And it had been painted the night before. And I just remember thinking, how good's that? Yeah, boss. It was amazing. And it just, I think it was by Umbro. Umbro had done it. And it just had underneath Made in Ormskirk. Yeah, did they, did they do that in everyone's hometown? In everyone's, town? Homes, in everyone's hometown. Pits, yeah, yeah. And that was just like, I just thought that's amazing. Yeah. Just to, everyone who drives past knows that that's me. Um, and that was, it was a great thing because everyone around the town was just so happy for for me as well. And it's only a small place, Ormsgate. Mm. Uh, so everyone sort of knows who everyone is and stuff like that. So every time I was like walking around, everyone was like, oh, I'm delighted for you and things like that. So I felt a sense of pride for for Ormskirk as well because um, it is such a small place. I look back actually to to when that happened and I've seen the story about that, but also like you know, um, and, and I've been on, I've, I've been the reporter who's done stuff like this. I remember when uh, Stephen first got Stephen Gerrard first got a cap. You know, I went back to his old school and yeah, was interviewing yeah. his PE teacher, but all that was happening to you because I, I found some of that today. Yeah. You know, and it, and it was like, oh, yes, and Stephen was always very good at football and very athletic. He was good at basketball too. Basketball? That's what you were, that's what it said. I was like, he's never <laughs> mentioned you, this. <laughs> about, who did the interview? I can't remember. It wasn't have been about me. I am horrific at basketball. Really? Oh, God, Honestly, yeah. it's there on the internet. I read it today. Bloody hell. So oh, that was a black okay. quote? Yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, he interviewed the wrong person there. I mean, the, the other thing as well about it, and this might sound silly, but I actually think that there isn't people who realise that you do physically get a cap, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've so, got two of them. So you still got them? Yeah. And, and, and go on, describe what they're like. I've, I've seen one before, but go on. For those that haven't. It's like an old style... I don't know, like 1930s cap, isn't it? With a bit of a, a tassel on the end and things like that. But then on the on the, the peak of the cap, if you like, is the game you've played, the date on it, uh, and who you've played against and stuff like that uh, with the England badge on it and bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, that's like pride of place. In, in Warnock uh, Towers. In the house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you get yeah. it out of, like, practically? Do they give it to you when you go to the game, like, when after the game, or do they send it to you? No, no, they send it to you. Uh, I think the the Trinidad one, I think we had we had a game. Uh, so we played that one at the end of the season or, like, June time. Mm. 
Um, and then we had another f- uh, friendly in August. So when I got called up for that one, uh, after that, they gave me that cap there when I was away. Um, but then the other one got sent through to the house. I thought it either got sent to the house or got sent to Villa. Um, but it's one of them that it's it's well looked after when it's sent. Um, yeah. It comes very well boxed up and, and looked after in a way, if you like. Um, so, yeah, but I mean... Even just to have them in your house is brilliant. Is amazing. Yeah. Is it surreal? Like when when you get that first one, is it a bit surreal that you've got one of these caps now? Yeah, because I always joke with people, and I feel like just putting it on and back <laughs> and going, "You got one of these?" Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just that should I be do. the picture for the show. Put yeah. it on. Yeah. Well, put it on and send us a picture. to be the picture for the show. No, but I do. I, I do look at every day. I walk in my house and I see it because it's like the first thing that you see as you walk in our house. Um, and it is. I always look at it and think. I, I don't know. I, I still get like a, a shiver when I look at it yeah. all the time. Think like, how the hell have I got one of them? Yeah. Um, and then I've got another one as well, nice. which is great. It's fast. That's yeah, brilliant. It is. It's it's one of them. You, you've got to be proud of it because if you're not going to be, who else is going to be? So yeah, it's right. Just okay. to just to go back, just on and this is tie into the last the last uh, chat we had. Do when you got that phone call to say you're in? Thinking about the Champions League final experience you had, was there any part of you which was like, I've had this before, are you sure? (laughs) Yeah, no, I did say that on the phone. I was like, you're being serious? And he was like, yeah, yeah, 100%. And and then the text come through off the FA then. Uh, Probably, I think I was probably on the phone when it come through and it just sends you all your, uh, all the details of everything and that. Um, and that was another another strange thing was so there was me, Stephen, uh, Cara and Rooney, who were the north northwest based players, if you like. And uh, I just got a phone call from them. Meet us at Liverpool Airport at uh, such a time, and we're getting like a private plane down to London before we fly out to South Africa because we had to go to um, had to go to the hotel to pick all our suits up and all that. And I remember just sitting on the plane and there was like just the four of us and I was thinking, boss this. <laughs> not, a, not a bad crew to be in, yeah. is it? Do you just like think quality like, of player. It's amazing. Yeah. Did you still uh, do what did you do what every other group of lads does when they go to John Lennon Airport and have a pint? <laughs> didn't even go through. <laughs> didn't you know? No, it was like a a there. You're not being a people on a private plane, like that level yet, lads. That was my first time, like on a on a private thing, and it was like set up by the other lads and um, and I just remember thinking, like, this is going to be amazing, this trip. Because I, I was, I was just a, I suppose I, I look at it and look back on it and think I probably should have been a bit more professional and maybe took it a bit more serious. But I was just thinking, this is this is great. Yeah. That's been the Anfield Wrap this week. Listen, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Paul. Uh, thanks to Gareth. Thanks to Paul Cope. Uh, Paul's Dehaney and Cope have both been on the show this week. Uh, thanks to Andy Keaton for cutting all this together and Gareth Roberts for doing the fast, fantastic work with the wonderful Stephen Warnock. And thank you very much to him as well. Uh, it is the Anfield Wrap. And you know that if you want more of what we do around transfers, although it's got a little bit slow, but around the World Cup, we'll be doing lots and lots of shows about that once it gets going into full, full flow across the next couple of days. Uh, whatever it is that you want you know that we've got you covered plus all that fantastic stuff with Stephen Warnock it's the anfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe for that uh, but Liverpool take it easy have a lovely weekend there's four World Cup games tomorrow count them four that's four on Saturday three on Sunday it's a week's worth of football for us just all lined up what a time to be alive let's take it easy let's enjoy Africa oh yay let's enjoy the football let's just have a great time Sports Social Podcast Network <laughs>